We're back for the second episode. This format is special to me for a couple of reasons. One, I think in the absence of some of the human connection that has been lost during COVID, we're finding new ways to connect. And I have found that connecting virtually through the podcast and through this format where we're answering questions that people are curious about um, is very energizing for me knowing what people are most curious about really helped me shape the questions, the content uh, for future episodes. So the human experience remains an incredibly important thing for me. It's a complex one and it takes all of us to continue to push our understanding of what is moving us forward. I want to just thank everyone who submitted questions these last few months. Feel free to drop any additional questions or guest recommendations Anytime, leave us reviews and share the podcast. That's always just incredibly valuable for us and much appreciated and helps spread the message. So let's dive right in. Advice on how you've prioritized your time. Yeah, again, you'll hear me reference Strategic Coach a lot. When I started in Strategic Coach, I joined because I was living in a email calendar hell where I just found myself running from meeting to meeting and never keeping up with my email and just buried. And um, my EOS facilitator, Alex Freitag, actually said, you know, you should try this thing called Strategic Coach. I think it's good for time management systems. And sure enough, I took that leap. I um, am somebody that if I trust you, I'm not going to do a ton of research. I'm just going to do it. If it worked for other people like me, then it'll probably work for me too. And that's good enough. It's kind of my surrender experiment. When things like that come up, they feel right. I do them. And I learned through Coach how to manage my time. Um, We talked a little bit about unique ability. And all of those things have helped contribute to me being able to own and be involved in multiple companies and and various ventures. When I got into coach and I was buried in that hell of email and calendar and never getting out uh, above my business, always being in the business, I remember looking around the room and and just had no idea how people had multiple companies a lot of people that had multiple things going on. I just couldn't imagine how are these people doing it? I can barely keep up with the one company that I'm running and building. And um, that's what Coach taught me. I mean, amongst many other things, but it taught me how to manage my time, how to be able to build a team. And really, that's the thing you have to do. If you're going to run a company and you're going to do multiple things, you have got to have great people People, again, in their unique abilities that love what they do, that are really, really good at it, that just makes your life easier. We say that every hire should be somebody who's going to take things off of the plate of the person above them. The way you take things off somebody's plate is by being better at it than they are. And so we look for people that are better at my job than I am. And that continues to allow me to free up and be able to do other things. Now, another big, big coach, and and um, you can listen to the episode with Dan Sullivan. We'll put notes in there for that. But 
Um, you can also read Dan's book, Who Not How. So that is an enormous unlock for me. Who Not How. When I co-founded Rove with Calvin Cooper, and you can find Calvin's episode in the notes as well, I was looking for somebody who shared a vision, shared values, who had a similar idea in Calvin's case. He was working on a project. I was working on a project. I was not going to make my project happen. I just had an idea. I had a belief. I had some resources. And Calvin was my who to figure out how to end up ultimately building Rove. And the same is true for many, many others. I'm co-investing in a lot of funds, and those are my who's. I have ideas around how venture capital should be deployed to other entrepreneurs. I want to invest in people that want to heal and optimize uh, our world. Those people are who's for me. I do not know how to do that in every area. I know how to build real estate. I know how to do a few things. I'm learning how to invest in great entrepreneurs. I'm learning how to coach. But um, I rely on a lot of other who's for how I want to get things done. And that to me has been also a massive unlock to be able to continue to multiply my efforts. My efforts all have a through line. So that is another big factor in kind of keeping focused and not getting distracted. If you're going to do multiple things, I suggest that you have one through line that kind of allows you to filter everything and allows you to really see some efficiencies where there are some kind of redundancies in businesses across sectors. You know, for example, you know, what, what, Gravity is doing and what Rove is doing and what the venture funds are doing, they all kind of come back to this ecosystem of how do we help each other? How do we make the world a better place? How do we heal and optimize the human journey? Same thing for the podcast. So it's easy for me just to show up as myself and bring my value to each one of these things because they're all driving at the same big idea. Making the most of your time setting and executing goals. Yeah, this is a funny thing. I'm not somebody who is terribly inclined to plan and to really kind of organize in general. I'm in many um, ways kind of wired to be disorganized and a little bit more kind of um, free-flowing and my way of being, but I have learned the value of managing time and setting goals. And so I have become incredibly structured. I use the strategic coach framework for time management and I use their framework for goal setting. As a company, just as a side note, we use EOS. Again, you can listen to the episode with Gino Wickman on my podcast. Gino is the founder of EOS. Shout out to my friend Mike Payton from EOS and Alex Freitag, who is our um, facilitator for many years. And so we have, as a company, quarterly goals, annual goals, three-year goals, long-term vision, 10-year goals kind of thing. And I then do that personally. I use Strategic Coach for that. I have an opus, which was written when I started the company through Built to Lead. 
And that big dream is what my opus is, my big dream for work and life, my overarching vision, my purpose. Those things all foot to a three-year goal, a one-year goal, a quarterly goal. And then every Sunday, I make a plan for the week. And I then look at my plan daily for the week and just check stuff off my list. I use the weekly form. I will also put stuff on my reminders for what I'm supposed to do that day. And I just try to get stuff done. I have included in that time for self-care. I will literally put on my reminders to meditate, to pray, to do breath work, to journal, to do my morning readings. And I will check that stuff off the list first. It's the first thing that's on my list and I will do it first and then I'll get into my day. That's really kind of how I have started to use my time and set goals. How many hours a day do you work and how has that number changed? That's a, that's a great question. It's funny because I often don't feel like I'm working, which is the key. And I never keep track of time. I do not have set hours for work. I generally don't like to meet with people before 10 a.m. I like to use the morning time to do my morning routine. I will drop my son off at school at 8.30 and then sometimes you know go for coffee from there and meet somebody. And then I work you know 10 to... Probably four, four o'clock. I find after that, you know, you're really just starting to lose productivity. Four to six, I'm either exercising or catching up on the day, email, doing some things to decompress, getting into kind of my afternoon routine for uh, sauna and meditation and, and exercise movement, catching up with friends and family by phone, winding down the day. 6.30, dinner time. That's usually it. You know, The caveat is that I'm available by email, text all the time. So there might be hours within the day where I'm not, quote, working, but I'm kind of available around the clock. And so kind of keep up with stuff at my own pace. When I want to, I'll hop into my email and I'll start knocking some stuff out. But um, it's kind of like, you know, work when you need to, work when you want to. And I don't have like real hard structure around the hours. Daily routine, how does it vary throughout the week? So my daily routine doesn't vary a ton throughout the week. I've talked a lot about kind of morning and evening. There are certain days that I record the podcast. I do try to make my Mondays and Fridays lighter there's time in there to paint or play guitar or do something that isn't quite so work intensive. So my Tuesdays, Thursdays tend to be a little bit more focused on real estate, but they can all kind of blend together at times too. So it's not real hard structured. I did used to do that Monday and Friday were focus days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were kind of my buffer days where I was like doing the work. And then Saturday, Sunday were free days. I have kind of started to take Fridays more off. So I don't generally do quote work activities on Friday. How do you get into a creative zone? Music, biking, meditation, etc. Yes, yes, yes. I do really believe in movement, um, physical exercise, even walking, stretching, yoga, Pilates, I, whatever works for you. I have a functional fitness 
a high intensity workout that I do. I love to play tennis. I love to run. I love to walk, hike, ski, bike. You know, there's there's a lot of physical exercise I love to do. You've heard me talk about meditation, incredibly important. It's not so much that it's like getting me in a creative zone, but it's just clearing out the thoughts and the body so that the creativity can come in. And sometimes I actually get creative thoughts while I'm meditating, but mostly it's about addition by subtraction. Painting allows me to truly express myself creatively outside of my work. Architecture and building communities is also an art form for me and a way for me to get creative. I probably would say the thing that I use the most to actually like put myself in a zone is music. I have invested in and I am a big fan of Endel. Check it out. The Endel app you can download. It's E-N-D-E-L and there's music for all kinds of activities from writing to work to running errands, to relaxation, to meditation, you name it. There's a lot of really brilliant people behind it that have composed music to help you achieve various activities and optimize your performance within those states. But I also just love to kind of put on the dead or lately I've been using Mac Miller to get me through all my morning journals. It kind of moves around. This morning it was... Perry Farrell and all things, Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyras, uh, it, it moves. Music is just number one for me as far as getting me actually in that zone. Five books that have inspired you or taught you. Five books just off the top of my head that have really meant a lot to me. Becoming Built to Lead by Chet Scott. Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Willpower Doesn't Work by Ben Hardy, Surrender Experiment, and I will tandem that with Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, classic favorite, certainly anything Eckhart Tolle. More recently, I've um, been gravitating to some newer authors and reads, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole Laperna. She goes by The Holistic Psychologist on Instagram. It was a great book. And maybe you should talk to someone by Lori Gottlieb. Love it if you're interested in therapy, psychology, dynamics. Amazing book. Also, Khalil Rafati, who's the owner of Sun Life Organics, my favorite juice bar in California. Now they're in Austin, all over the country. He has an incredible book called I Forgot to Die. And he's actually from Toledo, had a tragic drug addiction that he's overcome and been sober for many, many years. And so that is a must read. Okay, this one says, appreciation for the way things are versus the desire to make things better. I... Um, do have a tremendous sense of gratitude. And I do actually practice writing out my gratitude in my journal daily. And that does help. I have a worldview that everything is perfect for the way that it is and for the way that it's not. I have had enough experience in life to know that to be true. So when things are tough, I do try. And I will pause and say try to see that they are there to serve me and that I don't need to be anywhere else and that this is exactly where I need to be. So the desire for things to be better, better, better is starting to fade off. 
I've seen that more is not necessarily better. And really, my work has been to just see what enough is, that I'm enough, that I have enough, and that I don't necessarily need more. It's okay to have more, but you don't necessarily need it to be complete. Next question here on mindset. Handling fears and doubts, how has that evolved over time? For starters, this one is probably my biggest challenge, fears and doubts. Fear in particular, I was raised without getting into too much detail because most of you have probably heard me talk about this, but fear was a big part of my uh, upbringing at an early age. My um, father used fear as an approach to help get me to perform or to be disciplined or how he wanted to and get me to be the person he wanted me to be. Fear was embodied um, at a very young age for me and is really uh, was very much underneath kind of everything that I did. I better do this because I don't want that to happen. I'm afraid of that. I better be successful because I have a huge fear of not being enough. Um, so fear drove me. And um, and I'm grateful for having the outcomes that I have. That said, you know when I gained some awareness around it, when I really understood how much fear was driving me, I was unsettled with that. I did not want fear to be the driving factor for my life. And so I think like a lot of things, it starts with awareness. It starts just recognizing when you are afraid and when fear is online and looking at it and deciding if that's how you want to be functioning right now. And are those fears real? Are they rational? Are they really worth getting as much credit as you're giving them? You know, that's just been a process. That's been a rewiring, a reconditioning. It's been a regulation for me to kind of regulate and come back to who do I really want to be? How do I operate from a place that I feel more connected to now as my highest and best self? And for me, that's usually love and peace and joy and happiness and service, truth. That's really how that's evolved for me over time. Still comes in. It sneaks in. It's sneaky. It will smuggle its way in. And and it's just a matter of finding access to that awareness and regulating. Next up, we've got a couple of questions here on relationship and parenting. What kind of friendships do you seek slash need as an adult? Oh, it's a great question. I have actually been thinking a lot about this. You know, as you get older, your needs change. Mine have at least. I think many people's do. But you start to become a lot more selective on the kinds of people you want to spend your time with. I don't intend that to sound like an egotistical thing that I need to somehow find people that are at uh, my level or or that I'm so evolved. It's really none of that. It is about Again, kind of, you'll hear me say this a lot. It's about energy. It's about how do you feel when you're with um, these people? Do they make you feel good? Are they interesting? Is it fun? Do you have shared things in common? And, you know, I have different kinds of friends. I have friends that, you know, I can talk to about 
health and longevity and psychedelics. And I have friends that I can talk to about therapy. And I have people that I, I spend a lot of my time talking about business and some that I love to play tennis with and and do athletic things with and some that kind of do all of those things with. You know, do you have shared interests? Is there something that you can learn from the person? Do they make you better? Are they somebody you enjoy being around? To me, that's what I'm really looking for. It's your life. It doesn't last forever. And how do you want to spend it? How do you want to spend it? And who do you want to spend it with? I think those things are really important questions to ask. I've found that there are certain filters that I use for doing community work or for networking groups or any kind of group effort you want to you want to say you know is this a group of people I'm going to learn from is this a group of people I'm going to enjoy being with when I go to that board meeting do I like the people that are involved do we share visions do we share values do we have like-minded thinking and it doesn't mean that we can't be unique at the end of the day do you respect each other do you trust each other do you enjoy being around each other that last part i think is really one of the biggest most important things is do i enjoy being around these people i like to have friends that are of history so i've maintained some relationships some people that i've known almost my entire life some of my best friends are some of my oldest friends and yet I also have a lot of new friends and I'm constantly making new friends. So I guess it's kind of that old saying that children of the, I don't know, 70s and 80s heard or had drilled into their head, but make new friends and keep the old. Next up is being the best parent you can be to teenagers and young adults. Great question. I have two teenagers and uh, one who is just out of his teenage years. The thing that probably hits home for me the most is that it's not my journey, it's theirs. That I don't want to force upon them my thinking, my knowledge, my wisdom. My late therapist, Norman Shubb, used to say, are they so blessed? He used to scream, you know, are they so blessed to get all of your wisdom dumped upon them? It's not about that. It's about just being with them, being there for them when they need it, when there are those openings and they're, they're wanting some help from you or they're open to getting some help. Then, you know, you can share your thoughts and letting them know that you love them unconditionally. I think unconditional love and support does the most for the self-esteem and for the, for the, the individual, for the child, for the teenager, for the young adult. They need to feel it. It's a feeling. It's not just what you can tell them. It's how do they feel your love? And then I think role modeling more than what you tell them and how often you're around. What do they see you doing? How do they see your life? I think that makes a way bigger imprint on a child, on a young adult is is not what you know or what you say, but what are you doing? How are you living? I feel pretty good that I've got three 
pretty awesome young men. And that is really only in small part to me. I have a really amazing partner and wife who's the best mother I could possibly ever imagine for my kids. She's a teacher. So, you know, they say marry nurses and teachers. Incredible mother. I give her most of the credit for for the kids. Um, You know, I had a friend who reached out to me years ago, a couple of years ago, kind of in a panic around the Fortnite trend, the video game Fortnite. People were, uh, kids were really, you know, obsessively playing Fortnite. And he was worried that his kids were lost, that they were going to end up, you know, vidiots or whatever the case might be. I said, you know, for me, I've just chosen to sit down on the couch and learn about what they're doing. And it's actually pretty interesting. The more I learned about it, the more social I realized it is, the more I realized that they're they're engaging with kids from all over the world, different kids in the high school they probably never would have hung out with. I think we have a, a danger of really projecting our own shit onto these kids and our own fears and worries and doubts and insecurities. And we don't even really know. And, and so I've kind of embraced that there's a lot I just don't know. And, you know, who knew that the kids that were apparently addicted to video games and who were dropping out of college to start YouTube channels would end up being the wealthiest people of our generation or the most successful people. And by the way, they didn't have to climb a corporate ladder or spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. They turned on their phone and started making video just authentically and the world wanted it and they got rewarded for it. Did a lot of parents see that coming? I don't think so. That's where the support comes in. Like support them, love them, get curious with them, ask good questions. Do they need boundaries? Absolutely. Can they need some discipline? Sometimes, yes. But ultimately, what they need is love, support, openness, curiosity, and tremendous role modeling. How do you come to terms or prepare for an empty nest? This is a great question. I am not an empty nester, so I am a bit suspect to uh, talk about this, but I will um, do it with that disclaimer. I am preparing to be an empty nester. I have two kids that are um, in college, so they're not totally out of my house, but they are out of the house most of the year. And one more who has a few more years left in the house. So I've started thinking about it and to some degree starting to prepare for it. My worldview around the universe conspiring on your behalf really uh, is is coming to mind for me right now because it seems like that's what's been unfolding in my life as my um, kids are starting to move on with their lives. I'm starting to also think about how I want to find new ways to move on with my life, new hobbies. I started painting again a few years ago, and that's become a fun thing for me to do. I got back to tennis, which has been really a fun thing for me to do. I've started reading more. As I've had more time, I've started to meditate twice a day instead of once a day and sit in my sauna and exercise every day. My wife and I like to take walks together and travel. And I've started thinking about where else I might want to spend more time in the other parts of the country. 
And these things are just kind of unfolding naturally. I would say the biggest thing about empty nesting is really certainly who you're in partnership with. You have to really uh, want to spend time together. And you also need to have your own passions and your own personal comfort with who you are and the life that you've created. And by the way, if you don't, let's just talk about that for a second. If you're not happy with who you are or who you're spending time with, including the people that you surround yourself with, it's never too late to work on that and to make the necessary changes. You know, that can be what happens when you have more time and more space to do that. So it's not like something that you're doomed if you're not you know, a happy person with your life to this point. But certainly it helps. You know, when I think back on my um, kids and their ages and their stages, each one felt like the best stage while I was in it. And in hindsight, I, I wouldn't want to have little kids anymore. It was challenging and time-consuming and physically demanding. But at the time, I loved it. I absolutely loved them when they were little babies. I would say, I want them to just stay like this forever. And that's exactly how I feel right now. As my kids are young adults, I don't want them to um, go to the next stage because I love it so much right here. But I know that's how I'm going to continue to feel when they get married or start their careers or have kids someday. I mean, each one of these things is beautiful and perfect as it is. And so I try to just remind myself of that and be in the moment and stay present and enjoy life for what it is and then trust that it's happening in the divine perfection that I know it is and that it will continue to reveal itself in the most beautiful ways, which it always has. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning into these special AMA episodes. I really enjoyed the process and will plan to publish them more often going forward. Thanks for listening and we'll catch up next week on the Gravity Podcast. Podcast.